continuing our series, Faith Forward, and this is a subject, really, uh, to some degree, that I'm very, very passionate about, a subject that I feel like is very important for our church. In fact, this morning, what we want to do is talk a little bit about what it means for us as a church to live in community together. And when we say what it means to live in community together, what we are talking about, very simply put, is this, is that we as a church believe that the Word of God teaches us that we're to do life together. And I remember when I got into ministry, and we just uh, had a starting point class this morning, and uh, I remember when we started what uh, is now Jackson Creek, but then it was Green Garden Baptist Church. But when we started the church, I remember just having in my mind and envisioning what I really believed that a church was supposed to be. Because I think all of us come from different church backgrounds, different denominations, and we have this um, conception or this idea of what we think church is, and for many of us, we've been in churches that have um, not really uh, met that idealism, if you will. But what I believe what we find in the Word of God is God gathering together a group of people corporately to worship Him and to honor Him and then to glorify Him. But then what we find in the Word of God is a people coming together to share life together. I mean, they walk together in the highs and lows of life. They come from different backgrounds, different educational backgrounds. Uh, They come from different economical, different ethnic backgrounds. They're diverse in every way. But at the end of the day, because their lives and hearts are unified by the gospel and the mission that we're called to, we set aside all of those differences And we love, and we serve, and we minister, and we try to outdo one another in good works. To me, in all reality, that is exactly what it means to be a church. That's what it means to be a family. I grew up in a family, and I was working on some things this week. Um, And I'm just, just to be honest with you, like, I see a counselor. I struggle with anxiety really bad. I, I struggle with social awkwardness. I know some of you find that very hard to believe, and some of you are like, yep, I could tell he's weird, you know? But about once a month, I go and see my counselor. She had me working on an assignment this week, and I was working on that a little bit this morning and trying to write out some, some of my, my family origin. And um, I grew up in a home where my dad, I love him. I'm thankful for him. I, I don't, I don't, blame God for any of this, but he was abusive to my mom, to my brother. Uh, For whatever reason, I flew under the radar, but it was less than an ideal home for me to be in. And I found community in the wrong places growing up until one day I walked into a local New Testament church that received me as one of their own. I became a part of the family. And friends, I'm going to tell you, if it wasn't for a church that received me and allowed me to Uh, live out and be who I was and to receive me where I was at that time in my life, I don't know that I would be in church today. I don't know that I'd be following Jesus the way that I am today. And so I want to say this, and this isn't in your notes, but you might write this down. But a church not doing community is not a church. It's a country club. A church not doing community together is not a church. It's a country club. In fact, I would say that we can't just come on Sunday morning with no interaction with others the rest of the week. In fact, our success as a church isn't determined on what happens here on Sunday morning. We could have 4,000 people that show up for worship this morning, and if no one leaves this place and ministers to the community at large, or to our neighbors, or doesn't meet 
regularly throughout the week to grow and change and to become like Christ and live out the mission of God, we are not a church. I would go so far as to say is that if all you do is come to church on Sunday morning and hear a pastor open the Bible and you, the rest of the week, never interact with other followers of Jesus Christ for the purpose of you becoming a disciple and you being a discipler of others, I would argue that you really need to check and see if you are following the words and the ways of Jesus Christ. I'm just very uh, uh, very uh, convicted about that because we have made it so easy for people to come to church on Sunday and forget about God the rest of the week. There's no interaction. There's no spiritual growth. And we feel like we're okay with God as long as we go through the ritual, ritualism of coming to church and hearing a message and being a, an observer but not a participant in the overarching narrative that is the Great Commission that God has called all of us to be a part of. And so, I believe that what moves us from consumers to committed disciples of Jesus Christ is when we plug in and get connected and do life with other followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to be honest. It, I, you could hear a pin drop in here today except for Jerry. Where's Jerry? I can hear him in the back. Amen! Because everyone in this room right now that's not connected to other believers throughout the rest of the week are thinking about all the reasons why you can't be involved with other followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm going to give you some thoughts today that I hope that the Word of God finds its way into your heart, that you stop making excuses, and that you stop rationalizing away the very thing that's going to move your faith forward, the very thing that's going to elevate your faith, the very thing that's going to grow you, the very thing that is going to be the impetus to take you to the next level spiritually. Because God's plan is always involved gathering people together to worship and serve Him. And part of God's plan to grow our faith is our love and ministry to one another in the context of a local church. And so as we grow and as we get bigger numerically, we have to get smaller so that we can minister to one another in a smaller context to make sure that the needs of our family, our church, are met through one another. And what we're talking about this morning is a commitment to do life together. And this is a choice that every one of us can make that will move our faith forward this year, and it's a choice to do life together as a family. And I'm going to tell you, I need this. I pastor this church, and I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and I know Mike's a pastor, and John's a pastor. We, as pastors, need this. In fact, as pastors, we are not to live above and beyond the body of Christ. So we're not telling you to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. Amen? Guys, right? We're not asking you to do something that we don't do ourselves. In fact, I've shared this story before, but I think it bears repeating again. And I shared it with our starting point class today. But several years ago, I was in a growth group here at our church. I was at a very low point. It was 2016. I was burnt out. I didn't know like if I should even continue to be in ministry. Uh, April and I were having some marriage issues, and we just we weren't getting along. And so I said, you know what, we need to go see a counselor. And we were sitting in a counselor in Chicago, and we're getting ready to go on our first appointment. She leans over to me. No one else is in there. She's like, I can't believe we're going to counseling. Everyone's going to think that we're getting a divorce or that you had an affair. And I looked at her, and I'm like, why not you, right? And I, and I just remember sitting there, and she's like, oh, I'm just so embarrassed that we have to do this. And, and so um, 
we were going home, and um, I, I, I was talking to her. I said, look, I, I don't want to do this alone. And I'd shared with our deacons, and, 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 and um, there was a couple guys that knew. But I said, you know, we really need, if we're going to be honest, and if we're going to walk in integrity, we have to do life with other people, and they need to know that we're struggling. And I said, I want to tell our group. She's like, well, I'm not going to group that night. So you do what you want, but I just feel like this is what Jesus wants me to do. And so she came to group that night, and it was hard. We sat in that room, and we just said, hey, look, um, April doesn't like me right now, <laughs> and we're really struggling. We're in counseling, and I'm praying that God would heal some things in our marriage and that I would uh, find my way out of some, some areas of burnout. And, and I was in Clinton Autumn's group at that time, and Clinton was leading a group. And they'll tell you, and, and, and some others of you were in that group, I would come, honest to God, and I would just sit there, and I would receive. And I would do everything I could to be prepared for Sunday morning and, and, and pretend like nothing was going on, but I was hurting and I was alone. And I would sit in a group every week and I felt like no one understood what I was going through. And I'd come to church and I just, I felt like no one could understand or know. But over time, as I continued to be faithful to what God had called me to do, I began to see that there was light at the end of the tunnel. I began to see that there was purpose in the pain. I began to allow people to speak faith into my life. And friends, I want to tell you, because I made a commitment to do life with other people, I believe that it saved my marriage. In fact, I would go so far as to say I think it saved my ministry. And it gave me the opportunity to learn some things from some other people that I didn't know that I needed to learn, all because I was simply willing to make a commitment to do life with other people and to be known by them. Now, this morning we want to talk about the power of committing to living in community with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, really loving each other, really knowing each other. And this text sheds some light on how a community of faith can get bogged down, which what we mean by that is this, one person or just a few carrying the load. And listen, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you were never intended to carry the load by yourself. And as a church, Mike and myself and John and Clint are not intended to carry the load by ourselves. We do this together. We're in this together. We partner together. We do this as a team. And no one is more important than anyone else. Not me, not Mike, not John, not you, not anyone. We are a family. We do this as we follow Jesus Christ. And so... This passage also shares some insight on how God propels a community forward that does life together. How God moves people into the next level of faith, into the next season of ministry. And so, how does community elevate faith? It's easy. It's super easy to get comfortable in our faith, which is why we need others to speak the Word of God into our lives. Are you with me? It's so easy to get comfortable. But then when someone comes along and says, hey, you know, you're kind of a jerk sometimes. Or, hey, do you know you're kind of rude sometimes? Or, hey, do you know when you say this, it it makes it sound like you're doubting God, and I believe God wants you to do this. But see, when you don't have people speaking into your life and calling you out on your blind spots, you have a tendency to get comfortable. But when you live in community, you have all the potential to become more like Jesus Christ. So here's the big idea today. A commitment to community will grow your faith and expand the kingdom of God. A commitment to community will grow your faith and expand God's kingdom. Now, when I was in my mid-30s, and that wasn't a long time ago, and I had people blowing me up on text during the message last week because I made a misstatement. So two things. Don't be texting me during the message, right? Listen to what I'm saying and from the Word of God. Amen? Number one, 
And number two, yes, I said last week that I was 36, but what I meant to say was I've been saved for 36 years. So all you jokers trying to correct me, if you want to get up here next week, be my guest. All right? Just say it. When I was in my mid-30s, which wasn't that long ago, I was about 30 to 40 pounds heavier than what I am right now. In fact, we went out to dinner with the Wagners, and April showed a uh, new family in our church, showed them a picture. They're like, she's like, who is that? Because <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was pretty pretty good size. Um, um, <laughs> thank you, John. <laughs> I was healthy. I was healthy. In most countries, that would be like, he's rich. <laughs> I was having back pain. Even I had surgery. Jerry helped me get through a surgical procedure that I needed to have on my back. Man, I was just struggling. with. I would get tired, honest to God, just put my socks on, right? I mean, it just took the breath away from me. And so I knew I had to do something because I didn't want to, like, die by the time I was 40, and I didn't want to be that guy that couldn't play with his kids, right? Um, yesterday, I went to the uh, jump zone in Mokina with Brianna, and we were, like, jumping on one of those. What she wanted to do? I was, what do you want to do? Anything you want today. It's a date day. What do you want to do? She goes, I want to go to Taco Bell, and I want to go to Urban Air, and I want to jump on trampolines. So we did that, right? And had I not made this choice, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that or I would have crushed the trampoline. But anyways, it wasn't until I made a decision in November of whatever year that was. I just remember being November, and I walked into a gym, and I got a trainer, and I joined what was called team training. And that's when I began to really see, not just that I lost weight, but I began to see healthy results. I began to make better decisions because there's power in community. There's power when you're around other people that are, oh, listen, they're all moving in the same direction. They're all aligned with the Word of God. They're all aligned with what the goal is. And what was fascinating was that these people in that group that worked out three to four times a week, they became like a family. And for some time, I kind of hung out with them. We had them into our home. We went out to dinner with them. In fact, many of them came to church because they were starving for something that they were built for. And guess what they were built for? They were honestly built for a relationship with God, but you know what? They were also built to do life with other people. And you and I were built and made by God, designed by God, to live in community with other people. And so, being a part of that group had its limits, but it was the community that I found in my brothers and sisters in Christ that helped me to grow and be what I need to be for God. So for many of you this morning, you're missing out on God's best for your life because you're unwilling to commit to living in community with others. And God's word gives us insight into the powerful choice of choosing to do life with others. It's a powerful choice. It will change your life if you make a commitment to do life with other people. Living solo will suffocate your faith and you'll never grow as God intended because we are a part of of a family that will grow us. So let's talk two points this morning. That never happens. And if you don't like it, I'll go to five next week. Two points this morning. All right. Number one, community shared. It's a responsibility. It's a responsibility. We find in this passage of Scripture really the design of community. And the design of community is this. It's authenticity. It's authenticity. Jethro says to Moses, look with me if you will in verse number. Jethro just gets saved. He just comes to a relationship with God in the first 12 verses of the chapter. Then on the next day, the Bible says in verse 13, the next day, after Moses comes, or after Jethro comes to an understanding of who God is, he says, the next day, Moses sat to judge the people. The people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing, he said, what are you doing? Why do you sit alone? 
Why? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me and inquire about God. They have a dispute. I speak into this. Moses' father-in-law, verse number 17, says to him, what you're doing is not good. Right? So here's the thing. Authenticity is the design of community. Jethro says, hey, there's a better way to do this. Right? And and, and so here's what we're learning in this, this passage of Scripture. And you might jot this down. Moses was teachable. Listen, you might be the most intelligent person in the room, but if you're not teachable, you're behind the eight ball. In fact, if there's one thing that I can teach my children, it's do you have a teachable spirit? Do you have a a, a learner's posture? Moses had that. Moses was willing to listen to what he was doing wrong. And when we live in community with our brothers and sisters in Christ, please write this down. We must have a learner's posture. We must have a teachable spirit. We gathered as gospel-centered believers simply to do life together, and God places us and calls us together to worship and serves Him as He sees fit. I love what Tim Keller says because he says this. He says, everyone says that we want community and we want deep friendship. However, because it takes accountability and commitment, we run the other way. And I can't tell you how many times people come to our church and they're like, oh, man, I just couldn't get connected. Or, oh, I couldn't make any friends. Or, oh, I couldn't find a place to serve. And I'll ask them, are you involved in a growth group? Well, no, you know, I'm not. That's why. Because when you make the commitment to be involved with other people, you find all that is built into the family of God that will help you flourish in your humanity and also as a disciple of Jesus Christ. As a church, we believe that life is lived in circles, not just rows. This morning, all of you are, lo- you are rowed out. There's rows and rows and rows of you, right? But we gather throughout the week, some of you on Sundays, some on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. We gather around the region together. And we sit in my living room on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. in Piatone, and we get in a circle, and we open the Word of God, and we don't say, what does this mean to you? We say, what does God say, and how does this apply to our lives, and how can we as a community live this out for the glory of God, and how do we do this together? That's authenticity. We live uh, in, in circles, not just rows. And so you're missing out on some of the best parts of the Christian life if you're not doing life with other disciples. Living in authentic and open community is essential. Being privatized, right? And we live in a culture that's privatized. We want to do everything by ourselves. It's the Western mindset, but it will not grow your faith. We've got to be known for our deep love for one another. Nothing, listen, nothing spurs my faith on to know when someone comes alongside of me and says, Brother, I love you. And I have people tell me that all the time. They say, Pastor, I love you. That's a great message. Funny joke this morning. Ha, 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 you know. And you get those empty compliments. You know what I'm talking about? But you know what it means when someone that really knows you, and they really know how messed up you are, and they really know how inconsistent your faith really is, and they put their arm around you and they say, man, I love you, and I'm glad to know you. And I'm thankful for what you do uh, uh, for others. And I'm thankful for your testimony. And I know that you're struggling right now, but I love you. That's the authenticity that makes up the community of God. You should be able to struggle with doubt because it's not weakness. 
why would you carry that struggle on? We, we taught a starting point class this morning. There's people in that class that have been saved for 30 plus years. And there's uh, some in that class that, that they don't even understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? That's okay. It's okay not to know stuff. And we should be able to be in a community with other believers and say, hey, I don't understand this. Or, hey, I don't agree with this. Or, hey, I don't get this. Or, hey, I'm struggling with this. Regardless of what this is, we should be okay not to be okay. We should be okay. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of your sin. I love what other translations say it this way. Hey, let's love and provoke one another to good works. I just interpret provoke as like a swift kick. You know what I'm saying? You need to get going for Jesus, right? It's just that swift kick. Hey, what are you doing with your life? Hey, why weren't you in a church this week? Hey, why weren't you in a group this week? Hey, why aren't you serving in a ministry? Hey, where's your faith at right now? Hey, where's your marriage at right now? Hey, wouldn't you agree that we all need someone in our life that's willing to, uh, to provoke us to love and good works? Amen? we got to have people in our life that love us enough to speak the truth in love. And if you don't have people like that in your life, you really don't have people that know you and love you. Now, here's the fear. And I get this. Someone's going to say, well, if I open up, if I share my stuff, and I've got some pretty messed up stuff, if I share my stuff, people are going to use that against me. Yes, they will. You know how I know that? Because my wife does that. I share stuff with her all the time. In fact, I've even told her, I don't want to tell you this because I'm struggling with this, and I know that you know that I'm struggling with this. But if I admit to you that I'm struggling with it, you're going to use this against me. So I want to tell you this, but you can't use it against me. So I know. When you share stuff with other people, the potential is there to be hurt, to be betrayed, it's there. It's happened to me. And I'll say this, while the betrayal was awful, it was worth it even though I was betrayed and hurt. Because listen, there are great benefits to being known by other people. It totally outweighs the fear. So here's the thing. This is just what I believe. We've already been outed in the cross. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You are as bad as people think you are. In fact, you're worse than people know you to be, but you are more loved than you can imagine. So just walk in what Jesus has already said about you, that you are broken and that you are a sinner and that you need God's grace, but that he loves you. And that love was demonstrated in the cross of Jesus Christ. So walk in that. It's okay to be messed up. It's okay to struggle with sin. This is a hospital for the sick, and we help people get better. That's what we do. So as a follower of Jesus, you can walk without guilt and shame because your life has been covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you. And so then we move on in the passage, and we see not just this design of community, which is authenticity. We see the delight and duty of community, which is sharing burdens. And I've already kind of spoke into this, but we share in the responsibility of carrying burdens together. And that's what Jethro is all about. Jethro's like, Moses, what are you doing? You're out of your mind. And there's so many implications to this. I shared with the starting point class today back in 2016 that I shared with our leadership before we merged with Jackson Creek. I said, look, I don't have all of the gifts and the abilities 
for the church to grow to where it needs to grow on my own. And so we need to add a plurality of elders. And so if we can't do that, I, I, this is what I said to our deacons and our leadership at the time. I said, I'm not going to make it. And if I don't make it, I'm going to need to resign and you're going to have to find another pastor because I can't do this alone. By God's grace and by the sovereignty of God, Mike calls me one day and says, hey, can we come look at your building? And in that conversation, I said, why don't we merge? That then started a two-year conversation where we came together as two churches to become one. And now we have this team of pastors that work together. And has it always been easy? No, no relationship's easy. No relationship is uh, no relationship worth anything is easy. It takes time to build confidence and trust. It takes time to open up and share and, and to get to know the quirks and the idiosyncrasies of these other weirdos that I have to work with every week. And vice versa. More so me than them. But I'm going to tell you, the pain and the struggle of getting to know one another And some of the things that have been spoken into my life over the last year and a half are things that I needed to hear that I couldn't and wouldn't hear from other people, but because they kept being faithful and because they kept leaning into me and saying, hey, you're doing this and you're doing this and you're struggling with this and we're going to be held back if you don't address this. And I'm like, no, man, no, that's just obstinate, like the children of Israel. No, I got this, I got this. God has a way of humbling us in those relationships to help us see what we really need. And we can't see that apart from being in community with other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the benefit. And not only that, but I said when we came together as a team of pastors, we share burdens together, right? So like when someone gets, Monday mornings were the worst for me. Because usually on Monday mornings I get a call, a text, or an email from someone in the church that was upset about something that happened the previous day. It just happened every week. But now when someone emails me on Monday morning, they email all three of us, and I don't care because they're mad at all of them. (laughs) They're not mad at me. They're mad at everybody. All right. Sharing the burdens. We just think that we can do it on our own. I'm going to tell you, we can't do that as pastors, and we can't do that as followers of Jesus Christ. And Moses said, Jethro says, there's a better way. Moses, don't, as a leader, do this on your own. And I think the direct implication for all of us that we see in this passage of Scripture is that we partner together. And and Moses wasn't the guy to do everything. It was the team. It was the partnership. It was the family of God locking arms to share the burdens of their brothers and sisters so that the work of God could be accomplished. This kind of ministry goes against everything that this culture is all about. We want the celebrity pastor. We want the champion. We want the CEO. We want the guy just to make the call. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, we're bound to Jesus Christ, and we're bound together by his precious blood that he shed on Calvary. We're bound together by the gospel. We're bound together by the mission of God. And we have to be careful not to forget our calling to each other. And some of you this morning, you are neglecting the very thing that's going to help you grow in the areas that you are struggling in the most. Now, some of you this morning, you've been in the church for a while, and you'd be like, yeah, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm not a real big fan of the church. How many of you ever heard someone say that? I mean, I love Jesus, but I'm not a big fan of the church. Well, look, I love my wife. And what if you came up to me and you're like, hey, man, I really like you, but your wife's kind of a nerd. Like, I just can't stand being around her. 
Like, I'm cool hanging out with you, but I can't stand your wife. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I might, I might, I might smack you for the, the sake of the Holy Spirit. Like, you just might get cracked. Like, you just might get cracked for that. And, I, you know, I'm not a brawler. I'm not going to brawl with you because I'd lose my, my ordination as a pastor. But I might, I might crack you for the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because that's my wife, and I love her. And I'm going to tell you, the church is the bride of Christ, and you can't love Jesus and ignore his bride. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't say, like, man, I'm, I'm down with Jesus, and I really love Jesus, but not be committed to the person that's sitting in your row today. You can't be, you can't be uh, committed to knowing Jesus and following Jesus and walking in his ways and walking in his word if you're ignoring the people that are sitting in this room today. Because it's part of the calling of being a follower of Christ that we would lock arms together and be committed in community so that the mission of God would move forward and so that you can be all that you need to be as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And our love for Jesus and each other is put on display when we serve and outdo one another in love. How attractive would the gospel be if we serve God in this way? Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. I dream this, man, for our church. I mean, I dream this, that we would love one another and that we would honor one another, that we would respect one another, and that we would outdo, not showing off in some arrogant, egotistical way, like, I'm awesome, look at how much I serve. No, man, but just genuinely loving and serving and ministering to our brothers and sisters in Christ, going above and beyond. And when we begin to deeply love and selflessly serve, we're becoming what God has called us. We, we're becoming a community that is really mature. Now, here's the second one, real quick. Community spread, and that's growth. Community spread, and that's growth. I believe that God desires to increase his work among us. I have no doubt in my mind that as we grow, so grows the kingdom of God. And when we grow, listen, when we grow, others grow. Now, just this year, Billy and Amy Deitch moved to Florida. They moved to Orlando. They're now a part of a church plant uh, in uh, the Orlando area, and they're helping out a church down there. We uh, Essentially, to some degree, we sent them out, and now they're helping another church. This year, in January, Ben Seiden got called to be a part of a church and, uh, in St. Anne, and he and Jessica came here and served for several years, and now they're going, and they're moving on, and they're serving at a church. And Roy and Rebecca Worley, who she played the piano, he helped with men's ministry, and, and different things that we've done around here at the church. And now they're in Chicago Heights, and he's going to be pastoring a church there. And, and God is doing a great... Hey, we're seeing the Word of God spread throughout our community and around the world because of the impact that this church is having right here in Green Garden. All of God's people said? Now, when people like that leave that are, that are A-level, high-caliber high leaders, guess what? That leaves a vacuum for someone else to be sucked up into leadership. And we can't be a church... We can't survive as a church if we're doing leadership placement and not leadership development. And if you're not involved in being in a group, you're not in the pipeline of becoming a a devoted, committed, dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. And you are going to miss out on some of the best opportunities for your faith to grow and for your faith to be dynamic and for your faith to be used by God if you're not living in community with other brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Listen, the church advances not when leaders do everything, but when we, listen, when we partner together to make disciples and push back the lostness in this world. 
And I don't know for the life of me how you can claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not be broken for the lostness that is in this messed up world. I just I can't wrap my head around that. I, I, can't, I can't wrap my head around the idea that you would, all you'd want to do is come to church and hear a pastor speak on a Sunday and not minister to other people or be with your brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the rest of the week. I just, for me, I can't understand that because it's antithetical to the entire Word of God. And some say, well, I'm busy, and I've got this, and I've got... My wife's grandfather used to say this, and I still believe that this is true. People do what they want to do. Right? We do what we want to do. And I get there are seasons to life, and I get sometimes life gets busy, but as a way of life, making a commitment to saying, I'm going to be in church on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to be committed to my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm going to meet needs, and I'm going to serve the community and my neighbors and uh, my group. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this because I'm all in with Jesus. I'm not here to consume. I'm here to be committed. And that's what we see. One of the greatest lessons that you can learn is the power of doing life and partnering with others to grow in your faith and expand the kingdom. The life of extraordinary people is not in the celebrity culture, but in the simple faith of those who are willing to partner with others in the mission of God. Now, could you imagine with me just for a moment? Just imagine with me, if you would, for a moment. What it might look like for you to take a step forward in faith. And I look around this room and I recognize some of you, you're dealing with some crazy stuff. Financially, your marriage, your kids, your job, your schedule. And I, and I get that. Like I, I feel that. I empathize with that. But as a pastor and as someone who um, is teaching the Word of God to you this morning, I want you to just think for a moment with me. Laying aside every excuse that's popping in your head this moment, what would you imagine with me? What it, what it might look like for you to take a step forward in faith? That's what we're talking about this year. What would that look like? What if a year from now, your life was different? I mean, really, fundamentally, and internally different. Internally. It was different. And it was different not because of more success in your career, not because your life is easier, not because you have more money in the bank account, but because God grew your faith. What if your life was more successful, more blessed, more filled with God's favor and peace because you made the simple commitment to be in community and do life with other followers of Jesus Christ? What if, what if a year from now, you actually overcame that sin? That thing in your life that you struggle with, that's been a plague on your marriage and on your family, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's affected you for years. And a year from now, you're like, I don't even struggle with that anymore. That's not even on my radar anymore. Because I learned to walk with my brothers and sisters in Christ. 
What if you what if you took in a foster kid this year? What if you connected in our community in our neighborhood and you became a gospel light and a gospel witness and a gospel hope for people that are far from God. And friends, I want to tell you all of this is possible if you're willing to be obedient to him. I'm going to tell you, you will not do this alone. You will not do this alone. But we can do it together. So my challenge to you this morning is take a step And make a commitment to doing life together. Make a commitment to grow. In fact, the big idea is is a commitment to community will grow your faith and expand God's kingdom. So I want to ask you, because some of you this morning, I'm done here in just a minute. Some of you are going to say this morning, you're already making excuses. I can't do this. I can't do that. Let me ask you this. How's that working for you, what you're doing right now? How's that working for you? some of you are in the same place that you were a year ago, five years ago, and ten years ago, and there is nothing dynamic, there is nothing growing, there is nothing special about your faith or anything at all in your life spiritually, simply because you've put off decisions that needed to be made today. Commitments that needed to be made today. We all have them. We all have excuses. So at the end of the day, I just want to challenge you. Are you willing to make the commitments that are necessary to see your, grow, your faith grow and be elevated to the next level that God has for you this coming year.